It's another end to a year of school, and I know this, and I'm very aware of this because I have four students at home, one who is just wrapping up her junior year of high school, and another that will be stepping into her first year of high school next year, and of course, uh, two boys who are just ready for summer living. <laughs> um, so for, for many students, it's, it's a time of year that we take stock of our lives and we ask questions like, am I on the right track? Um, you know, our high school students are asking the big questions of life, you know, does my life matter? Questions that a lot of us ask collectively around the beginning of each year, around New Year's, right? We start asking those questions. That's when the New Year's resolutions kind of happen, that whole thing. So another year has gone by, and before we know it, another year will have gone by, and then another year will have gone by, and we ask ourselves the questions now that we're not really focused on um, in the middle of the summer, maybe, and uh, not so much in October as the year's sort of winding to a close, but at the beginning of the year and around graduation time, we start asking questions like, am I doing the right thing with my life? Does my life matter? Am I making a difference on earth? Is my life important? We ask those questions. And so as we ask these questions today, we're coming to the right place because God wants to respond to the biggest questions that we have in our lives. Some of you might be familiar with the poem, The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Any poets in the house? We have any poets? Yeah, all right, all right. Any poetry people in the house know Mary Oliver? All right, all right, we've got some fans. <laughs> so I just wanna bring that last line to us today from her poem, because I think it's a great mindset for us going into this message series. This is how it ends. It says, tell me what it is that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. What is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Your one shot at being alive. What do you plan to do with that life? And if you're in that mindset today, or if you're in that mindset ever, Am I doing the right thing? Am I making a difference? Then you've come to the right place today. Go back a few years, and we used to frame it around the question, am I in God's will? You heard that before? In fact, it used to be if you, if you wanted to pack out the place, you'd either do a series on relationships or a series on finding God's will for your life because, you know, who could ever know if you're doing the very thing that God wants us to be doing with our lives? And, and then we, we complicated it even more. Some, see, if, see if some of you are with me on this. It wasn't just enough that you were in God's will. You had to find the center of God's will. Anybody familiar with that? You had to find the center of God's will. So you, you had to get into the bullseye of knowing I am doing exactly what God wants me to do with my life. And for a lot of us, Growing up, it was a little bit like trying to find a needle in a bale of hay. And, and it was a little complex to believe that I can really know what God wants me to do and, and know that that thing that I'm giving my life for is really God's will for me. But here's how beautiful God is. He doesn't want to leave us in the dark. He doesn't. And so he doesn't want to leave you combing through the haystack trying to find something for your life. Every single one of us this is how good God is. Every single one of us is gonna be able to leave this gathering today having answered that question, what is God's will for my life? 
Now, God, here's the, here's the reason why. God isn't playing games with us. He's not playing games with you. He isn't playing games with me. God isn't wanting you to live your whole life in limbo, not being sure about what it is that he wants you to do. So to find the answer to the question, I want us to look at the, the book of Colossians. And this, is, this little letter of Colossians is going to give us a biblical answer to the question, what is God's will for my life? Um, Colossians was written in a context where there was a lot of different opinions about who Jesus was. Some people thought he was just a kind of a souped up angel. Other people thought that only a select number of highly kind of mystical um, figures would ever figure out what was going on with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And so Paul writes to clarify to the Colossians who Jesus is and to let us see and know that Jesus is supreme in everything and sufficient in everything. And so we get this really boiled down in chapter 1. It's beginning in verse 15. If you would stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word. If you are able, let me read this to us this morning, okay? It says, He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and unseen, every seat of power, every realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. Can you say everything with me? Yeah. Everything. Father God, we just thank you for your word this morning. God, I just, I just pray that your word would sink deep into our hearts this morning. And as always, we just pray that we'd be different as a result of spending some time with you this morning, God. Um, move in our hearts. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. So, as we underscore in these verses the sufficiency in the supremacy of Jesus, we answer the biggest question that we're asking in life, which is, what is my purpose and why am I here? And what is my life about? And we see two things in this text that clarify this for us and give us confidence. So the first thing that we see is that we are here because Jesus made us and we are here for Jesus. So the first thing that we see today we, is that we weren't created to do a job we weren't created for a vacation or a role. Primarily, we were created for a person. Created by a person for a person. Created by Jesus for Jesus. Created to be in a relationship where we know God. But then, at the end of the text, we see that Jesus is the beginning of everything, the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything. He holds everything together. The first one out of the grave was Jesus, the one who gives life to everyone else who trusts in Jesus. The head of this church is Jesus. And in every single thing, Jesus then should get the supremacy. He should get all the applause. He should get all the encore. And so a way that we say it in the church world is he should get all the glory, right? And so that answers for me the big question of my life. What is God's will for my life? You could say it like this. It's to know him and to make him known. You've heard that before, right? It's to know him and to make him known. That's God's will 
for your life. That's the purpose, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known, to understand that you were made by and for him so that you can pursue him as a singular focus of life. Now, I, I want to know Jesus. Whatever else happens on this planet with me, I want to know the one who made me, to know him. And, and secondly, he's, he's got to get to the supremacy in everything, this Jesus, because he is everything according to the scripture. And so in knowing him, I want my life to make him known. And that simplifies for us all today God's will for our lives. And some of you are already thinking, okay, Sean, that's a spiritual answer. That's a spiritual answer and I don't want a spiritual answer. I want to know if I'm working the right job or not. I want to know if I'm supposed to marry her or wait for another. I need to know if I'm supposed to go to grad school in Nebraska or go to grad school in Dallas. That's what I'm concerned about today. Don't give me all this spiritual mumbo jumbo about God's will for my life, being Jesus, making, making him known and knowing Jesus. Okay, great. That's, I get that. And what if, what if God just sent you a letter today? Let me just ask this question. What if God just sent you a letter today and said, okay, go to school in Nebraska. And so what do you do? Go Cornhuskers, right? And you, that's all you needed. Awesome. I'm going to move down there. I hope it's great for you. And then you get there to Nebraska and you get your degree and you frame your diploma and you get the job and maybe you find the guy or the girl and you build your life and you still have no idea why you're here. See, it's not about an assignment. It's about a bigger picture of life. And so for us, when we hear God's will, we immediately want to connect it to vocation or what we do, connect it to a location, connect, it, uh, connect that to a relationship for some of us, connect that to a husband, wife, and kids. And we immediately hear God's will and we want to link to a specific temporal, temporary decision. But God is saying you're created for something bigger than just knowing which grad school to go to. And you were created to know God and to make God known and to, to know Jesus and, and through your life give an encore for Jesus. Bring applause to Jesus through your life and bring glory to Jesus. So, and this is God's will for our life. But if you are asking a what question, like what, what do I do to bring glory to God? Or how then do I make decisions to bring glory to God? He'll answer that for us also today. And he does it a page or two over. And we're going to go over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. This, this verse, I would say, is probably in, in my top three uh, kind of life verses for me. This is the message that I hung my hat on when I was probably about 15 years old. Um, and I wish every young person would grab a hold of this and live by it. Because Paul, Paul is opening a wide array of possibilities today for us. To every one of us to live in God's will because when you hear well I know I'm supposed to know and, and make him known then you might think well does that mean that I should become a pastor then does it does it does it mean that I you know should I get into Christian ministry or church work or, or or maybe I should get out of my secular job and get into social work or get into the nonprofit space how do I know Jesus and make him known so he answers this for us in verse 17. 
He says, and whatever you do. Hello? <laughs> Get ready because this is game changing. Let's just start over and read those four words together, all right? And whatever you do. That seems like he's opening a pretty big doorway right there. Let's see how he clarifies this for us. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, that's pretty comprehensive, right? Do everything more comprehensive in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me read it to you real quick in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. So Paul is shifting the conversation here from what should I do to why do I do what I do? So the what I do isn't under the microscope. The why I do what I do is under the microscope because he's opening this big doorway here. And he's saying to us, your purpose in life, your big purpose, your big umbrella that you're supposed to canopy everything under is to know God and to make him known. But you are wired with many gifts, abilities, talents, aptitudes, and passions. So he says, just go do that. But make sure that as you do that, you're going to do it underneath this grand purpose that God has put in your life. So I have the ability now to kind of reframe life or to frame life under this big calling, this big purpose to know him and to make him known. We see this in, in Romans chapter 11 at, at the end of a stunning text about God's grace and mercy. There's a little doxology that kind of wraps it all up and we see it starting in verse 33. This is what it says. Who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depths of his wisdom and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious ways that he carries out his plans? For who has discovered how the Lord thinks or is wise enough to be one to advise him in his plans? Or who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to owe him something in return? So all of these are rhetorical questions. No one in heaven is waiting for an answer to these questions, are they? Um, it's God again, and he's saying, look, here's the reality. I don't call anybody. I don't get stressed, I, I don't have a counselor, I don't lay on anybody's sofa, I, I've never run out of money or needed a loan to make it to Thursday, I'm good. And so if that's who he is, in reality he knows everything, he doesn't need any advice, he doesn't need any help, no one has ever loaned him a dime. Then here comes the end of, of this doxology. He says, for out of him, the sustainer of everything, came everything, and now everything finds fulfillment in him. 
May all praise and honor be to him forever. Amen. Amen. In other words, putting it down to a personal level for us, I came from God. I didn't just pop on the scene and go, you know, everybody look at me. I'm, you know, I'm created. I'm also sustained. I'm, I'm happening today through God. You know, the breath that I'm breathing is a gift from a creator God. And the brain that I'm using right now is given to me as a gift from the creator God. So the grace that is enabling me to do what I'm doing right now is provided by Holy Spirit, who we talked a lot about last week, through Christ. So I am moving through life by God. I came into life by God. And I, at the end of my life, terminate at God. And so I don't just end up somewhere out in the great wherever. I end up at the same place I began. I came from God. I'm sustained by God. I end with God. Therefore, let all the applause go to God. Let all the encore go to God. Let all of my attention go to God. Let all of the glory go to God. I've got a purpose, and my purpose is to know him and to make him known. That's true. But I also have a passion. I've got some passions that are stirring inside of me. Anybody? Right? I've got some stuff stirring inside of me. I've got some gifts that are stirring inside of me. And so do you. So I've got something churning inside of me, and so do you. And so Paul is saying, if you get the frame right first, that God wants to release you to do that thing, and you are really passionate about doing it. In fact, he probably put it in you. That's how you answer the question, what is God's will for my life? So the talk that lit this fire for me when I was a young person was a message that... um, Louis Giglio gave back in 2006. Some of you might remember the beginning of the passion movement. It was in a field in outside of, I believe it was outside of Austin, Texas. And they had this, this, this field that they just plowed and there was thousands and thousands of young adults there. And many songs were birthed there that were kind of um, uh, uh, ignited the modern worship movement. And so Louis was, was the guy that, that that spoke this message, he called it passion, purpose, and designer genes. I don't know if any of you have heard that one before. But man, I heard that, and it, it, it just lighted something inside of me. And um, does anybody remember back in uh, 2006 when designer genes were a big thing? People talked about designer genes. And, um, you know, maybe about 15 years ago when, when, when America kind of started tipping over from, you know, it's either Levi's or, or Old Navy or, or Calvin Klein. Anybody remember those days? You had like 50 choices of, of jeans that you had to kind of pick through. And that, you know, it, it wasn't just those options anymore. If you're a cowboy, maybe you'd throw on some Wranglers. But, but you know, that, that was kind of the gene world and it wasn't really overcomplicated. And then all of a sudden it got really complicated. Like you can't just get Levi's or Calvin Klein jeans anymore. You've got to pay $200 for raw denim. Remember that? And the, the, then you had to pay $500 to get the seat in your car replaced because you got to get the blue ink off your upholstery. <laughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. And then diesel jeans hit the scene. Anybody remember diesel jeans? Um, anybody remember seven? There was all these, yeah, we've got a few back there. Um, Citizens of Humanity jeans, Joe's jeans. You know, what am I missing? There were so many. 
there, there, there were nudie jeans. Anybody remember those? Nudie jeans. I mean, save up, bro, because you're going to be saving your nickels for a long time. The deal with them is that you were told to wear them for a whole year without washing them. Anybody remember? We were putting our, do you remember what they told us to do with them? Put them in the freezer. We were putting our jeans in the freezer and not washing them for a year. <laughs> so it was an explosion of denim everywhere in 2006. And so Louis preached a message to that field of thousands of college students, passion, purpose, and designer jeans. And his question was simply this. So the, the world right now is kind of enamored with this, this thing of, of designer jeans. So who's going to make the jeans if the whole world wants them? Who's going to make them? And I remember him challenging that crowd. You can run a denim boutique and still be in God's will. And, you know, the, the pushback was, you know, surely not. You know, I'm, I mean, surely you've got to be working at a church to be in the will of God. You cannot have a boutique and be in the will of God. And, and, but now, you know, we're at the place where maybe nobody's that concerned about denim anymore. And so I don't know what he'd call the message if he were preaching it today. Could be called a lot of different things. I mean, um, if I were preaching it, maybe it would be passion, purpose, and uh, iPhones. You know, or your, your smartphones. Every, everybody wants the latest gadget in their pocket, right? And so people get the iPhone 7 and, and you know, one, one year later, then there's the iPhone X plus S plus plus plus. And, and they got to have that or the, or the latest Google or the Android phone with the biggest memory and the biggest megapixels and the, you know, the, the portrait photos and the face recognition technology. I mean, you know, if you don't have that, do you, are you even really alive right now? I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> so is it possible that you could have a passion for something like smartphone technology or Indian taco food trucks or donuts, whatever it is, if that's your thing, and still fulfill your purpose for being on the planet? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Because Paul opens this door up wide. And he says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we're going to talk more about this, specifically how that happens next week. And so we'll dive into some more specifics because we're not, we're not really looking for people to make the next version of the latest smartphone with a little fish embossed on the back, are we? Uh, for the glory of God. So you're talking on the phone and walking around and you're showcasing, you know, a little symbol of the gospel everywhere. And, you know, even if it's a stinky phone, I'm still going to use the phone because I'm telling people about Jesus while I'm talking on the phone. <laughs> That's not how it works. We're not looking for more little symbols on things. We're looking for people who have this big frame this big frame of life who understand that it's not about what I do as much as it is about why I do what I do. And so I'm going to run with this passion that's in my heart to the glory of God because a lot of you, truth be told, you've got a lot of passion rolling inside of you. 
And it's not to be a pastor or a preacher or a missionary or a worship leader. It's to build a rocket or to come up with a cure for something or to raise a family, to be a mother, to run a plumbing business, whatever it is that lights your fire, that's firing you up right now. And God is saying, whatever, whatever you do, go for it. As long as you get the purpose right, frame it with purpose. Then God wants to release you to run after the passion that he's put in there in the first place. And so I love the way that A.W. Tozer says it because he's answering this question. Because it, does it really matter if I open up, you know, a calligraphy or a handwriting business, which is kind of a big thing right now? What about an um, organic smoothie business, which is kind of a big thing right now? You know, can God use that for his glory? And A.W. Tozer answers the question, I think, in a beautiful way. This is what he said. It's not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It's why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify, or a woman, the Lord God in his heart. And he can thereafter do no common act. Isn't that good? That means that you can walk into finance, into education, into entertainment, into the arts, into any form of business, any form of enterprise, and you can, in fact, do an uncommon and a supernatural God-honoring thing with your life. And the beauty and the reality of all of this is that a pastor is probably not going to come into your company this year. Hey, everybody, on Thursday, we're having a pastor coming to glorify God. Please gather in the lobby at 2.30. <laughs> Pastors probably not coming to your classroom, probably not coming to your place of business, but you are. You're going into your classroom. You're going into your place of business. You're going into all the seams of culture with a bigger purpose in your heart. I want to know Jesus and I want to make Jesus known. And that's the beauty of how God wants to work in our lives. Now, Colossians 3, 7 opens up this big door, but it also closes a lot of doors too, because it says whatever, and that's wide, but it also says whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. And some of us, what we're doing can't be done in the name of the Lord. So, I mean, if you're money laundering right now and you're really good at it, you really have a passion for it, you're going to need to stop doing that. <laughs> because you can't do it in Jesus' name. If you're cooking the books and you're phenomenal at it, in fact, you've been doing it for 19 years and even the auditors don't know that you're doing it, you're still going to need to stop cooking the books because you can't cook the books in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father. <laughs> So it's a wide door, but it's also an illuminating pathway. But if you can do it in the name of the Lord, then you have to decide, I want to figure it out then. How am I going to do it in such a way that God gets the applause, that God gets the encore, that God gets the glory in my life? And that's what we're going to specifically look at the next week. But before we do that, I want to ask the question, how do you know which passion is the passion that you're supposed to run after. And I'm just going to ask some big questions this week just to get the uh, juices flowing, all right? So I think there are a few super practical ways to come at this. And the first one is this, by asking the question, 
What keeps you up at night and what wakes you up in the morning? Like, have you noticed that there's some things when that's on the schedule that day, you have a hard time and you're hitting the snooze three or four times, but there are other things that are on the agenda and on that day you go, bam, I'm up, I'm ready to go, let's do this. Right? And sometimes when you're laying down at night, things are just churning inside of you and you can't dial it down and you're just excited about what you're thinking about and what you're dreaming about. For years I would preach a variation of this message and I, I don't know why, but I'd always make it about donuts. You're in, you're in bed at night and all you can think about is donuts. I must have an unhealthy obsession with donuts, I don't know. But you know, whatever it is that you're thinking about, when you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning and you, you want to open up that donut shop that's going to change the world, right? So that's the first clue to maybe what it is that you need to be doing on the passion side of life under the purpose of knowing God and making him known. Howard Thurman said it like this. He said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. <laughs> so it's asking the question, what's stirring in me? And understanding from Colossians 3.17 that it's okay for me to say that. Because I think you know, if you're in a connect group and you're talking about, you know, in, in the group, what you think that God wants to do with your life, you know, and the, the first person starts, well, I'm going to be a missionary in the Congo. Praise the Lord. And then the next person, you know, wow, wow, that's, that's okay. That's, that's a great thing. Praise God. The next person, well, I'm going to open up a homeless shelter for the disadvantaged in our city. Amazing. Oh, wow. Next person, I'm going to start a nonprofit, and we're going to start to bring clean resources to people around the world. And it's getting around to you, and you're thinking, man, all I really want to do is be an artist. I want to paint. I want to I draw. That's all I've ever dreamed about. I've been sketching things since I was 14 years old. And I already understand the whole perspective thing and the shading thing at a really young age. And I just got to get it all out and onto the canvas. And it's on fire and it keeps you up at night. It's the first thing you think about when you wake out of bed. And so it gets around to you. Preacher, teacher, evangelist, do-gooder, missionary. And he gets around to you and you're like, well, I haven't decided about it yet. I'm, I'm praying about it. Uh, pray for me. I'm trying to find the center of God's will for my life. <laughs> right? And I just want to tell you, man, if painting keeps you up at night and wakes you up in the morning, then maybe you need to be an artist for the glory of God. I hope you do. And you need to say what Louis was trying to communicate in that field back in 2006. You know, because somebody's going to go to India. And that's a big deal to be celebrating in the church. We should get behind, answer the call, and what God's doing there, right? And, and resource our missionaries. We should partner with Wanikia in Eagle Butte. But maybe for you, it's just as a big deal to go to Art Alley as it is to go to India. Because both places need the light of Jesus. And the truth of Jesus shines through real people. And God has a big purpose over your life. And maybe this is the starting point for you. Second thing is to ask the question, what are you the best at? In other words, maybe you're not a child prodigy at it. But you notice that over time, 
you're incrementally getting better at it. And every time you get a chance, you grow and you learn and you develop. And from there to here, there's definitely a trend up in your life and you're getting better and better and better and better. And it's not just that you're okay at it. Everybody wants to have, you know, their, their own network cooking show right now. And, and maybe that's what you're dreaming of when you were chopping up all that stuff in your kitchen yesterday morning. And, and you're, you're talking into the camera because you're like, I'm, I'm going to put this on YouTube at least right now. So now we're going to chop up the bacon and we're going to make some bacon soup and it's going to be amazing. And I don't even know if there is such a thing, but there probably should be. <laughs> but when you cook, it's phenomenal. And people notice. And in your mind, you're thinking, I'm really good at this. And every time I try it differently, it just keeps on getting incrementally better and better and better. That's a big clue to maybe what lane you need to be running in your life. Maybe your thing is going to be launching a, a new network cooking show, cooking with bacon, and it's going to be huge. <laughs> I think a third way that you understand this passion is in the community of people who are God-loving people and who love you. Listen to what they're affirming in your life. What are the people around you affirming? I believe God will put people in your life if you really want to know. Am I on the right track? Am I really doing the right thing? I have a purpose, but I'm not sure what the passion side of it is. He's going to put people in your path. And he may have done that in 2018 already. Somebody may have said to you last year, Hey, have you ever thought about doing X? Anybody say that to you last year? Have you ever thought about doing this thing? Have you ever thought about maybe opening up a why? Um, have you ever thought about going into that thing full time? Because you're really good at it. Have, have you ever thought that maybe that's something that you should look into? And a lot of times, here's what happens. We go, oh, no, I shouldn't look into that. I mean, I'm good. I've, I've got a job. I've got a paycheck. Come on. I mean, I don't know. I'm... I'm, I'm 41 years old, how would I start all over again? Right? And we start making excuses. I don't know. I don't know if I can even do that to the glory of God. You know, I'm just going to stay in the lane that I'm in right now. Where you kind of know what's going on and know what's expected of you, right? And it's comfortable. And you just kind of push it off. But people keep on telling you, hey, you're really good at this. I mean, for me, when I was in high school... People were telling me, hey, you're a really good musician. I don't know if they said really good. <laughs> but, you know, they were saying, hey, you should do more music. If somebody's going to do the music, get shop to do it. Get him to do the music. Put him up for the whole student body in high school. And he's the guy. Put him up there. There were a couple times in my senior year of high school, I went to uh, TF Riggs and, and, and Pier. I wasn't even in band or chorus that year. But... Um, Every time they, they had a high school or band chorus event, and that year they had a little Shawn Michaels segment <laughs> where they asked me to come and sing some of my songs at the school concert. I mean, you know, going to go on a missions trip? We'll get Shawn to go and do the music. That was kind of what happened. He can do that. I mean, I was, I was a pretty shy kid, too. If you knew me in high school, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to go around and be a rock star. I, I didn't speak unless I was spoken to. And then you were lucky. I mean, I was super shy. So at least not initially. I wasn't looking for anything like that. I wasn't looking around saying, put us in, put me in. I didn't even want to be at stage, on the stage at the first part. I was nervous about that. I just loved creating music. 
but it was, go get Sean to write a song. You know, he can do that. I've, I've told the story here how they asked me to write a song for the school's AIDS awareness event that was televised and Captain Eleven was the keynote speaker. I, I also remember when my high school science teacher, um, he made a point of stopping class to turn on the radio and listen to the Christian radio station play when it played my song for the first time on the radio. And, you know, I started playing in Battle of the Bands competitions and was having a great time with that. But I was just a quiet, shy, skinny kid who barely talked. And I was going up there on stage and I was able to express myself through music. It was something that I loved. And I was writing and I was singing. And, and creativity through the arts became my greatest outlet. It was who I was. It was what I breathed and lived for. That's what I stayed up at night for. I would play for five hours many times after school was out. So I didn't see it at first. And I went to, to Bible College, Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, a school that is known for their music program and their, their worship recordings. And I didn't even get involved with the music program. It wasn't until almost the last year where I started picking up music again. And it's almost like God said... <laughs> You know, what they've been trying to tell you is that I wired you to do this. <laughs> I wired you to do this thing, to sing. And so even though I was terrible at times, I started to try and sing again. And I can remember leading worship for one of our first big youth events as a youth pastor at our home church in Pierre. It was the first time, like, we really just saw a move of God in our students as a young youth pastor. We saw these, I saw these students get lost in worship that night, and one of my mentors was there, one of my mentors in life and ministry came up to me afterwards, and he whispered in my ear, God is going to use you, and God has put something in you. And now I'm like 19, 20 years old, so I'm like, you know, thank you, awesome. Didn't even really probably grab a hold of what he was trying to say, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, that night, I, I guess that was okay, but listen, People who love God and are, and are with you on the journey, they, they a lot of times typically see what God's about to do through you many times before even you do. So keep an open ear and listen. If you're trying to convince the world that you're going to do something and everybody around you is going, okay, okay, well, I'm not sure about that, then it's good to listen to that too. And, you know, don't count them all out as naysayers, but that may be God trying to help redirect something in you. You hear what I'm saying? So that's important too. That doesn't mean now that every now and then the people around you get it wrong. We've seen it happen time and time again. You know, I'm going to write that next composition that's, that's going to be as good as any of the greats. And then your friends, you know, are sarcastically saying, oh yeah, I can't wait till I see that. And then it happens. And then they come back again in the pictures. Like, I always knew that you could do it. <laughs> right? You are amazing. I've said that all along. <laughs> Most of the time, though, the godly people around you are going to be saying yes and amen to the passion that's in you. So now you're locking in on, this keeps me up at night, and it wakes me up in the morning. I'm good at this. In fact, I get better at it every time I do it, and people around me are saying you're really good at it, so you, can sh you should consider doing that. The last question I would ask is, what are you willing to sacrifice for? Because that's going to help you 
know that you're getting um, in the right lane of passion for your life? What are you willing to sacrifice for? Like in other words, maybe you've got something going on right now and you're willing to put in 80%, uh, maybe a couple days, you know, a month, you put, in, you put in some time, but as you're rolling into it, most days you're like, I can kind of do this in my sleep and I know it's, you know, it's what I'm doing, but you know, what is the thing that would make you go, I'm gonna put all of my focus, all of the energy, all of my determination that I've got into this thing. And I'm willing to sweat, I'm willing to bleed, I'm willing to pay a price for that and get on board with that. And I'll tell you why. Because if our big purpose is to applause Jesus, he's not gonna get applause by people who are putting out about 80% in their passion line. Nobody in the entertainment industry is, is, is going to get on board with that. Nobody in the arts is going to come around that. Nobody on Wall Street is, is going to come around that. Nobody at the top who doesn't have a need for Jesus is going to pay attention to a believer who says, I'm doing it all, well, at least 81% for the glory of God. And then we say, do you know Jesus? And the people around us are going to go, well, I, I don't want to know a Jesus who causes someone to spend their one wild and precious life putting out 81% for something. I want to know a Jesus who calls up in people a full throttle investment in this one shot called life. Would you stand with me? I want to know somebody who's alive. I want to know somebody who's put everything they've got into the passion lane that they're in so that eventually an encore is going to come to Jesus. It all starts with just going all in. It starts with doing your best. You know, and it changes our focus. If everything that we do is all for the glory of God, for the purpose of knowing Him and making Him known, then I want to do everything that I do with excellence. I want to do it awesome, right? I want to do it with everything. I'm not going to do it half-heartedly. It starts with saying, I found something that I'm willing to sacrifice for. Because I want applause to come to Jesus. And I want it to come through a life that shows the world what the best looks like. And I know what the best looks like. So then I could say, let me tell you about the best. Let me tell you about the best. My best is the one who made me and I live my life for his glory. And that painting that I painted over there that has been in my blood, that has been circling around in my gut since I was a teenager, that painting walk into the room and your jaw drops and you ask me about it, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, well, let me introduce you to the one who gave me everything who I am, who put those gifts inside of me and all glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God. So I can make donuts, I can make designer jeans, I can work on cars, it doesn't matter doesn't matter. I'm going to treat my employees right. I'm going to treat them fairly. I'm going to
going to do it all into the glory of the one who created me and gave me those gifts and gave me those passions. And when things start happening and the money starts coming in or, or when, when people start getting served by whatever it is, with those giftings and those abilities that you've given me, when people walk into the museum and they see that picture, or when they... Um, walk into the, the building and the architecture that you created and their jaws drop, all the glory is going to go to you, God. Because it's all for your glory. Everything for your name, for your fame. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father God, um, those of us that are in this house this morning and we know you and we've been following you with all of our lives, let us come around the purpose, Lord, that you've called us to. God, in everything that I do, in everything that I do, in word or deed, in every purpose that I walk out, when I walk into my office place, when I walk out of the doors of this church this morning, let it be for you. Let it be for your purpose, for your fame. Everything that I do. God, when I wake up in the morning, the passions and the stirrings that you've put inside of me, let them be within the frame of your purpose to, to know you and to make you known. But I'll do everything with excellence because I love you and I want to represent you well. But the end credits, the encore, the applause all goes to you. May that be our heartbeat. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your life. We want to give you that opportunity this morning with, with nobody looking around, with every eye closed. We don't want to embarrass anybody. This is, this is a private moment between you and Jesus, but we just want to invite you to make a decision to follow the one whose purpose for you is bigger than yours could ever be. And it's a purpose and a life that is full and abundant. And he's faithful yesterday, today, and forever. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross to pay a price and come to your rescue and to give you a purpose that is bigger than you ever thought of or imagined. If that's you this morning, you're not here by accident. We just want to pray with you. Would you just raise your hand, nobody looking around? Father God, thank you, Jesus. All right. Father God, we just thank you for this time this morning. We just thank you for anointing in this place to go and do what you've called us and you've crafted us and you've created us to do. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, guys. So go out and do it.